0: Section 8 of The Turquoise Storybook Stories and Legends of Summer and Nature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Brenna Castor. The Turquoise Storybook Stories and Legends of Summer and Nature by Ada M. Skinner and Eleanor L. Skinner. In the Kitchen Garden by Mrs. Alfred Gatty. One, two, three, four, five. Five neatly raked kitchen garden beds, four of them side by side with a pathway between. The fifth, a narrow slip, heading the others and close to the gravel walk, as it was for succession crops of mustard and cress, which are often wanted in a hurry for breakfast or tea. Most people have stood by such beds in their own kitchen garden on soft spring mornings and evenings, and looked for the coming up of the seed which either they or the gardener had sown. Radishes in one, for instance, and of all three sorts, white turnip, red turnip, and long-tailed. Carrots in another, and this bed had been dug very deep indeed, that the roots might strike freely down. Onions in another, beets in the fourth, both the golden and red varieties, while the narrow slip was half mustard and half cress. Such was the plan here, at least, and here for a time all the seeds lay sleeping, as it seemed, for the long, smooth-raked bed stretched out dark and bare under the stars. They betrayed no symptoms of anything going on within. Nevertheless, there was no sleeping in the case. The little seed grains were fulfilling the law of their being, each after its kind— the grains all but their inner germs decaying, the germs swelling and growing till they rose out of their cradles and made their way through the earthen coverlid to the light of day. They did not all come up quite together, of course, nor all quite alike, but as to the time the gardener had made his arrangements so cleverly that none was very far behind his neighbor, and as to the difference of shape in the first young leaves, what could it signify? It is true the young mustards were round and thick, the cresses oval and pointed, the carrots were mere green threads, the onions sharp little blades, while the beets had an odd stainy look. But they all woke up to the same life and enjoyment, and were all greeted with friendly welcome as they appeared by dew and light and sunshine and breezes." I find I get deeper and deeper into the soil every day, remarked the carrot. I shall be I don't know how long at last. I have been going down regularly, quite straight, for weeks. Then I am tapering off to a long point at the end, in the most beautiful proportions possible. A traveler told me the other day, this was perfection, and I believe he was right. I knew what it was to live near the surface in my young days, the carrot went on, but never felt solid enjoyment till I struck deeply down, where all is so rich and warm. Pray tell me, neighbors, added he, good-naturedly enough, I should like to know that your roots are as long and slim and orange-colored as mine. Doing as well, in fact, and sinking as far down, I wish us to be all perfect alike. Perfection is the great thing to try for. "'When you are sure you are trying in the right way,' sneered a voice from the neighboring radish-bed. "'But if the long, slim, orange roots striking deep into the earth are your idea of perfection, I advise you to begin life over again. Dear me, I wish you had consulted us before. Why, we stopped going down long ago.' And I've been spreading out sideways and always into stout, round, solid balls ever since. Close white flesh throughout, inside, and not orange, but red without. White, he means, shouted another. Red, I call it, repeated the first. But no matter, certainly not orange. And certainly not orange, cried they all. So, continued the radish, we are quite concerned to hear you ramble on about growing longer and longer, and strongly advise you to keep your own counsel, and not mention it to anyone else. We are friendly, you know, and can be trusted, but you really must give off wasting your powers and energy in the dark inside of the ground, out of everybody's sight and knowledge. Come to the surface and make the most of it as we do, and then you'll be a credit to your friends." Never mind what the travelers say. They've nothing else to do but to walk about and talk. And they tell us we are perfection, too. Don't trust them, but do what we tell you now, and alter your course at once. Roll yourself up into a firm, round ball as fast as you can. You won't find it hard if you once begin. You only have to... Let me put a word in first, interrupted one of the long-tailed radishes in the same bed for it is of no use to go out of one extreme into another, which you are on the high road to do if you are disposed to take Mr. Roundhead's advice, who, by the way, ought to be ashamed of forcing his very peculiar views upon his neighbors. Just look at us. We always strike moderately down, so we know it is the right thing to do. Solid round balls are the most unnatural and useless things in the world. But on the other hand, my dear friend, we have learnt where to stop. And a great secret it is, but one I fear you know nothing about at the present. And as the soil's being better so very far down, nobody can believe it. For why should it be? The great art is to make the most of what is at hand, as we do. Time enough to go into the depths when you've used up what is much easier got at. A man who gathered some of us yesterday called out, These are just right so I leave you to judge whether some other people we know of must not be wrong. You rather overwhelm me, mused the carrot. Though it's remarkable you counselors should not agree among yourselves, is it possible, however, that I have been making a great mistake all my life? What lost time to look back upon? Yet a ball? No, no, not a ball i don't think i could grow into a solid round ball were i to try forever not having tried how can you tell whispered the turnip radish persuasively but you never will if you listen to our old-fashioned friend next door who has been halting between two opinions all his life will neither make an honest fat lump of it as i do nor plunge down and taper with you but nothing can be done without an effort That is true, murmured the carrot, rather sadly. But I am too old for further efforts myself. Mistake or no mistake, my fate is fixed. I am too far down to get up again, that's certain. But some of the young ones may try. Do you hear, dears? Some of you stop short if you can and grow out sideways and always into stout, round, solid balls. Oh, nonsense about round balls, cried the long-tailed radish in disgust. What will the world come to if this folly goes on? Listen to me, youngsters, I beg. Go to a moderate depth and be content. And if you want something to do, throw out a few fibers for amusement. You're firm enough without them, I know, but... The employment will pass away time. There are strange delusions abroad just now, remarked the onions to each other. Do you all hear this talk about shape and way of growth, and everybody in the dark on the subject, though they seem to be quite unconscious of the fact themselves? The fellows chattered about solid balls as if there's no such thing as bulbs. Growing layer upon layer, and coat over coat, Of course, the very long orange gentleman with his tapering root is the most wrong of the whole party. But I doubt if Mr. Roundhead is much wiser when he speaks of close white flesh inside and red of all ridiculous nonsense without. Where are the flaky skins, I should like to know? Who is ever to peel them, I wonder? Poor things. I can't think how they got into such ways. How tough and obstinate they must be. I wish we lived nearer. We would teach them a little better than that and show them what to do. "'I have lived near you long enough,' grumbled a deep red beet in the next bed. "'And you have never taught me, neither shall you, if I can help it. "'A pretty instructor you would be who think it ridiculous to be red. "'I suppose you can't grow red yourself, so abuse the color out of spite.' Now I flatter myself, I am red inside as well as out. So I suppose I am more ridiculous than your friend who contrives to keep himself white within, according to his own account. But I doubt the fact. There, there, it is a folly to be angry, so I say no more except this. Get red as fast as you can, and live in the same soil as I do, and ought to be able to do so. Oh, don't call it red, exclaimed a golden beet, who was of a gentle turn of mind. It is but a pale tint, after all, and surely rather amber than red. And perhaps that was what the long-tailed gentleman meant. Perhaps it was, for perhaps he calls red orange, as you call it, amber answered the redderbeet. Anyhow, he has rather more sense than our neighbor here, with his layer upon layer and coat over coat and flaky skin over all. Think of wasting time in such fiddle-faddle proceedings. Grow a good, honest, fleshy substance and have done with it, and let people see you know what life is capable of. I always look at results." It is something to get such a body as I do of the surrounding soil. That is a living to some purpose, I consider. Nobody makes more of opportunities than I do. Do you hear them? Oh, do you hear them, whispered the crest to her neighbor, the mustard. Do you hear how they all tuck together of their growth and their roots and their bulbs and size and color and shape? It makes me quite unhappy, for I am doing nothing like that myself. Nothing, nothing, though I live in the same soil. What is to be done? What do you do? Do you grow great white solid balls or long orange tapering roots or thick red flesh or bulbs with layer upon layer and coat over coat? Some of them talked of just throwing out a few fibers as a mere amusement to pass away time. And this is all I ever do for business. Do speak to me, but whisper what you say, for I shame to be heard or thought of. I grow only fibers, too, groaned the mustard in reply. But I would spread every way and always if I could, downwards and upwards and sideways and always like the rest. I wish I had never been sown Better never be sown and grown, than sown and grown to such trifling purpose. The soil must give them what it refuses to us. Or we are weak and helpless, and cannot take in what it offers, suggested the cress. Alas, that we should have been sown, only to be useless and unhappy, and they wept the evening through. But they alone were not unhappy. The carrot had become uneasy, and could follow his natural tastes no longer in comfort. For thinking that he ought to be a solid round ball, white inside and red without, the onion had sore misgivings that the beet might be right after all, and a good honest mass of red flesh be more worth laboring for than the pale coat-within-coat growth in which he had indulged. It did seem a waste of trouble, a fiddle-faddle plan of life he feared. Perhaps he had not gone down far enough in the soil. Someone talked of growing fibers for amusement. He had certainly not come to that. They were necessary to his support. He couldn't hold fast without them. Other people were more independent than he was, than perhaps wiser. Alas! And yet the beat himself was not quite easy. For talk as he would, what he had called fiddle-faddle seemed ingenious when he thought it over. And he would like to have persuaded himself that he grew layer upon layer too, but it wouldn't do. Perhaps, in fact, the bold little turnip radishes alone were the only ones free from misgivings, and believed that everybody ought to do as they did themselves. What a disturbance there was, to be sure! And it got worse and worse, and they called on the winds and fleeting clouds, the sun and moon and stars above their heads, stay their course a while, and declare who was right and who was wrong. But they called and asked in vain, till one evening the clouds which had been gathering over the garden for days began to come down in rain and sink swiftly into the ground, where it had been needed for long. Whereupon there was a general cry, Here comes the messenger, now we shall hear! So out came the old inquiries again, Who was right? Who was wrong? Who had got hold of the true secret? But the crest made no inquiry at all, only shook with fright under the rain. For, thought she, the hour of my shame and degradation has come. Poor useless creature that I am. I shall never more hold up my head. As to the carrot, into whose well-dug bed the rain found easiest entrance and sank deepest, he held forth in the most eloquent style upon the whole affair. How it was started, and what he had said, how much he had once hoped, how much he now feared. Now the raindrops did not care to answer in a hurry, but they came dropping down. But as they came dropping down, they murmured, "'Peace!' Peace, peace, all over the beds, and truly they seemed to bring peace with them as they fell, so that a calm sank all around, and then the murmur proceeded, Poor little atoms in a boundless kingdom, each one of you good after its kind. How came these cruel misgivings and heart-burnings among you? Are the tops of the mountains wrong because they cannot grow corn like the valleys? Are the valleys wrong because they cannot soar into the sky? Does the brook flow in vain because it cannot spread out like the sea? Each is good after its kind. Peace, peace, peace upon one, then upon all. Each wanted each useful, each good after its kind, peace, 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 peace. Peace. The murmur subsided to a whisper, the whisper into silence, and by the time the moon shadows lay upon the garden there was peace everywhere. Nor was it broken again, for henceforth even the cress held up her head. She also was good after her kind. Only once or twice, when the carrots were gathered, there came up the strangest growths. Thick, distorted lumps that never stuck properly down. The gardener wondered and was vexed, for he prided himself on the digging of the carrot bed. Anything that had had any sense might have gone down into it, I'm sure, he said and he was not far wrong. But you see, the carrot had had no sense when he began to speculate and tried to be something he was not intended to be. Yet the poor clumsy thing was not quite useless after all, for just as the gardener was about to fling it angrily away, he recollected that the cook might use it for soup, though it could not be served up at a table such a shape as it was. And that is exactly what she did. End of section 8.